If you would please, as we continue our look at Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1, reading verses 21 through 28. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Remember what the Bible says, God says. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are those who must stand before thee today in amazement before the teacher that thou hast sent into the world. He is the one who has all wisdom authority, and power. May we see this clearly in, our, in the text and may it resonate with each of our hearts today as we are before thee. In Christ's name, amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is ready to hit the region of Galilee with his profound teaching, authority, and power. The kingdom of God, the gospel of God, is ready to confront all those who hear its proclamation and see its extraordinary miracles with the immediate crisis of the moment, repent and believe in the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. Mark is not messing around. He is bringing his reader immediately into the present activity and fulfillment of the kingdom of God. The cosmic battle between Christ and Satan is now confronting people's lives and it's coming to confront the hearts of everyone who is in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The proclamation, preaching of Christ by Christ himself in all of its dimensions is right in front of us. The foundation of Christ's church is there. Christ does not begin and Mark does not record. Please listen. Any action by Christ in his public battle with Satan without his initial disciples being in place. Even in this initial stage, at its very conception, Christ does not proceed without what the New Testament will call the head and the body of Christ. Christ, the head of his kingdom and church, is going forth. And Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, his initial four disciples, is his body, the body of his church and the body of his kingdom. Please do not miss this point. Mark specifically points out that Christ and those four initial disciples went into the city of Capernaum. Note the word they in verse 21. Christ and his disciples, his church, are joined at the hip as the gospel of the good news goes forward. With this connection in view, that is Christ and his kingdom and church, Mark brings to the attention of his reader three incidents within about a 24-hour period as he opens up the public ministry of Christ in his gospel. First, his teaching in the synagogue and, and his exorcism. Chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Second, going to Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house, healing her, and then healing and casting out demons. Chapter 1, 29 through 34. And thirdly, his departure to pray and proceed to do his ministry. Chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. This morning we are just going to focus upon this first incident in terms of the text in which I read. As Christ and these initial disciples go to Capernaum, 
Mark's important word appears once again before us. Christ immediately, immediately on the Sabbath, enters the synagogue and begins teaching. Verse 21. In light of the word immediately, something significant is about to happen in the transition of the history of redemption. What could this be? What could this significant event be in terms of that transition? It is that the people are astounded, astonished at his teaching. Why? Why? Because he did not teach in the typical manner of the scribes. Rather, he taught as one who has authority. Verse 22 of your text. Now, what does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? We are not told what he actually said, are we, in the text? So how are we to judge from the text that he did not teach like a scribe? How did a scribe teach? What was their method? How would they proceed in their own way of teaching? The basic format of a scribe's teaching was to challenge the people with various decisions, key word, based upon traditions passed down by different teachers in the Jewish tradition. Let's take an example, one that will become important in this particular gospel or in Christ's life. What does the tradition say about someone healing on the Sabbath? If I'm going to make a decision about healing on the Sabbath, I need to know what the tradition, the Jewish tradition says. My decision on healing on the Sabbath will have to be conformed to that tradition. So they teach the tradition in terms of you being an ethical person, being a moral person, doing the right things in situations that you may confront in your life. Although Mark does not present the exact content of Christ's teaching in our text, Mark's comment that the people heard something quite different and unique from Jesus was truly noted. So much so that it radiated with an authority that went beyond the challenge to make a decision by appealing to the human, underline that, human traditions of the Jewish scribes. Please listen carefully here. The reference to authority in verse 22 presupposes everything Mark has told you about Christ 
from chapter 1, verse 1 through 20. Did you hear that? It's presupposing everything in the narrative of Mark so far. Christ is teaching the prophetic word, direct prophetic word of God, the good news of the kingdom of God as the one who is the authority, the authority of the word of God. Yes, Christ is the essential person and the essence of the kingdom of God. Once again, as we have said in other messages, the Son of God is teaching the gospel of God in light of the presence of the kingdom of God. Christ teaches Christ. He, as the Christ, the Son of God, comes into the synagogue teaching with an authority that Israel has never witnessed before in history. Christ teaching through every hearer that day into a cosmic crisis between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Whatever Christ said, its content went well beyond the authority of the scribes. It pressed, whatever he said, it pressed for a decision that went above the tradition of the scribes. In whatever form the prophetic words of Christ came before his hearers, we can be sure that the concept, repent, and believe the gospel of God in Christ underlined his teaching in some form. The king of the kingdom is here, is here. Not the tradition of the scribes are standing before you. Rather the eternal Decision, the eternal decision of repenting and believing in the, in the Son of God is who is standing before you. The hearers should be overwhelmed. <laughs> they should be overwhelmed. Now as you think about Christ's authoritative teaching in verse 21 and 22, the incident takes us back, but is not limited to, more directly, verses 14 and 15, in terms of the kingdom of God. Well, look at the next incident here in the synagogue. The man with the unclean spirit in verses 23 and through 27, that section takes us back, but is not limited to verses 12 and 13, the confrontation between Christ and Satan in the wilderness. Look 
at verses 23 through 27 carefully. If they are not, if they are not perfect, perplexed enough with what they have just heard with their own ears, they are about to see something extraordinary with their eyes as well. Notice, Mark injects his attention-getting word once again, immediately, which means something significant is about to happen in the transition in the history of redemption. Yes, the crisis of the good news is, uh, is upon them, Repent and believe. Do you have ears to hear, you people that are there before Jesus that day? Do you have eyes that see as you're looking upon him? Immediately, in this synagogue setting, there is a man with an unclean spirit. A demon is in him. Verse 23. There is no doubt that Mark's narrative is driving home the point that the cosmic battle between the kingdom of God in Christ and the kingdom of Satan is upon us. In this case, with Satan's own army, a demon. As this demon possesses this man, The demon recognizes the teacher before him. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. The recognition that the demon makes of Jesus goes beyond the appearance that Jesus is just a natural human being. Demons have an intuitive supernatural kind of knowledge because they are supernatural spirits. The supernatural cosmic battle between principalities and powers, between Jesus and the forces of Satan are clearly, clearly observable now in history. Congregation, do not turn a blind eye to what is going on in this text before you. Your eternal soul depends upon it. In which kingdom will you participate for eternity? Christ's or Satan's? Remember, There are only two options. Yes, the supernatural battle is truly real. And if you don't think it is, you are a person who is ignoring, looking into the depths of your own heart. The scripture calls such an individual stiff-necked, hard-hearted, hearts that are always, that always end in destruction. If you want 
a messed up life, then turn your back away from Christ. Satan will gladly, gladly intervene in your life and make your life miserable. He'll be happy to do it. Indeed, those who are on the road of destruction, those who play with evil, they will always try to prolong their own world. That path is no different for demons. Note carefully the response of the demon. The demon's terminology is picked up from the Old Testament. It is commonly used to disarm your opponent in combat. The idea here is this. You have no business with us yet. You have no business with us yet. The aspect here is the demon is trying to disarm Christ here in the situation. Listen to the meaning of what is going on in the text. You have no business with us yet. The demon knows its end. Its final end against Jesus. And it's not good. And notice the demon uses the plural us. Us. He appears in our text as one of many of the demonic forces that will battle with Christ and his kingdom. He represents a whole fraternity that attempts to threaten Jesus. Also notice that the man, the one possessed by a demon, notice that he does not say a single word in the whole text. Doesn't make a comment in the whole text. The person possessed with the demon is not crucial, not crucial, to the text. Now, congregation, by faith in Jesus, come into the text and witness the power and the authority of Jesus, whose kingship and kingdom are demonstrating eternal victory over evil. Christ rebukes, he censors the demon, putting him under the pronouncement of judgment. Christ's exorcism comes forth with the authority and the power that the Son of God, at this point, alone exercises upon the demon. Be silent. Did you hear my call of worship this morning? Be silent and come out of him. Verse 25. The Greek here carries 
the meaning of muzzling him, muzzling the demon so that he will not be able to speak. But the demon will make a loud noise, as you can see in the text, a loud sound as Christ graphically disposes the demon out of the man. As the text says, it is a picture of a man convulsing which comes from the Greek word that literally means tear. The picture here is that Jesus is tearing the demon out of the man in judgment as the demon cries out with a loud, noisy voice. You can visualize the situation, I'm sure, in your own mind. What makes for a very uncomfortable scene, I would assume, in that synagogue that day. But now notice, as the demon departs under Christ's authority and power to be silent, the text says nothing about silencing the man with whom the demon was possessed, nor was silence a condition of those who witnessed what occurred that day. In fact, Christ's fame spread throughout the region surrounding Galilee. Verse 28 in your text. Even more immediately, To say it mildly, it was quite a day, wasn't it, in that particular synagogue? What on earth did we just see today? His teaching was new, it was really quite different, it possessed authority that we had never heard before. His power and authority over unclean spirits was amazing. He issues issues a simple command. Be silent. And the demon comes out. Who is this person? Who is this person? You are seeing who it is, aren't you? Your heart this morning as you look at this text is not your heart panting like a deer for flowing streams. Christ is masterfully unpacking the Christ the Son of God, before your ears and your eyes. Will you not believe? Will you not believe? Well, one final note on purpose. I overlooked one other element in Mark's narrative. Look at verse 21 once again. The event 
occurred on the Sabbath. Immediately on the Sabbath, Mark's attention getter, immediately on the Sabbath, as we have noted earlier, something extraordinary is about to happen. Remember in verse 21, Christ and the disciples, the they, entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Listen carefully. The foundation of the New Testament church is about to confront the Old Testament Sabbath and church and exceed it. Did you hear that? The foundation of the New Testament church is about to confront the Old Testament Sabbath and church and exceed it. Direct your eyes now to verse 27. The people witnessing the events that day say about Christ a new teaching with authority. You bet. Something new compared to the old is here. The cosmic battle between Satan and Christ begins on the Sabbath. And in the context of the church. The supernatural battle of the kingdom of God is centered in the church, not, not culture. We cannot overstate the importance of the church and the Sabbath in Mark's narrative, immediately the Lord of the Sabbath is here. His teaching, the good news of the gospel of God in his very person is here. And everyone who hears his words and puts it into practice will enter into the new, the new eternal Sabbath rest. That is everyone who repents and lives by faith. Christ's Sabbath rest is characterized by victory and peace. For the works of the devil is, are being demolished are being abolished in all those who live under his authority and power. In our text, you have entered into the eschaton, the final kingdom of God. You are gazing into the essence 
of true religion when you enter into Christ's new Sabbath. Did you hear that? You're entering into the essence of true religion when you enter into Christ's new Sabbath. Mark has immediately placed you there. The scribes had corrupted it with their mad man-made traditions. We're going to see that further later on in this gospel. Satan attacks the Sabbath by undermining the true teaching and the preaching of the gospel. So I ask you this morning, what does the teaching the authority and the power of Jesus Christ mean to you in this church. Do you know the new in Christ? The teaching and preaching of Christ's Sabbath rest For you, the victory, the peace, the praise, the unity in Christ's death and resurrection and in your fellow believers. You do not want to walk away this morning, this very day, without knowing what the Holy Spirit has placed on Mark's heart for you. Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, has brought us into a new Sabbath. It's called the Lord's Day, in which we enjoy the essence of our religion in the preaching of his word and the communion of the saints as we live under his gracious authority. Indeed, true believers are in church. And they do all they can in order to not miss church because that is where the word of Christ is previewed to last forever. And the eternal head and body of Christ are enjoyed as a lasting forever. The great providential end of history the eternal rest of the Sabbath, that end, please note this, you don't want to miss it, that end of history is the eternal rest of the Sabbath. That end becomes the very beginning in Mark's narrative of Jesus' earthly ministry. The last is put at the beginning. 
What every believer looks forward to in terms of the eternal rest with Christ forever and ever, Mark places it at the very beginning of his gospel so that therefore when you read this whole gospel, you're in heaven. You're in the eternal rest. Mark is bringing you in. That should excite you. (laughs) The last becomes the first. Do you know that language in scripture? Yes, in Christ. Here it is. In Christ, here we are. Right in that synagogue, in Christ, the seventh day becomes the first day. The seventh day becomes the first day. You are reading about that new transition as you read Mark's gospel. Love Christ's church. Love each other in Christ's church. This you have entered the eternal rest of God in Christ. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, the significance of Christ's coming is really overwhelming We do not want to miss any aspect of it. We ask, O Lord, that you would enable us to understand how important it is that Christ is the one who is the head of the church, that he has all power and authority and his teaching is without comparison in terms of wisdom and eternity. Help us always to sit before him and learn. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.